No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the Lord told Moses of his angel who would go before them and lead them into the promised land. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Exodus chapter 23 on Simply the Bible. The Lord continued giving the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. We pick it up in Exodus chapter 23 verse 14. Three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded you, at the time appointed in the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of your labors which you have sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering at the end of the year. When you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field, three times in the year all your males shall appear before the Lord God. God established three feasts that all the men were required to attend. Attendance was optional for the women. When they came to the promised land, they would make this pilgrimage to wherever the tabernacle was set up, first Shiloh and then later Jerusalem. These three annual feasts also have prophetic counterparts. In the first month of their year, which corresponds to our March and April, is the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This marks the anniversary of their exodus from Egypt. You needed to sacrifice a year-old lamb for your household or else you would be appearing before the Lord empty-handed. The Feast of Unleavened Bread points to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Fifty days later, or seven Sabbaths after the Passover, they would celebrate the Feast of Harvest, later known as the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. This is celebrated on a Sunday in the main June time of year, and they offered the first fruits or initial yield of their harvest to the Lord. It was the beginning of the wheat harvest and carried with it the idea of a greater blessing to come. This points to the birth of the church, which also occurred on Pentecost Sunday. The Feast of Ingathering takes place in the autumn or September-October time of year at the end of the grape harvest. It's sort of like our Thanksgiving. This was a combination of three feasts over a three-week period, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. They would live in shelters constructed from tree branches for seven days, commemorating their wilderness experience. This points to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. So, three various laws here. First off, the blood of the sacrifice was for atonement, that is, the forgiveness of sins. For God would tell them that the life was in the blood. But leaven is a picture of sin in Scripture. Therefore, leavened bread was not to be offered along with the blood of their sacrifices. 
Second, God reminded them that the early harvest of their crops belonged to him. They weren't to lay their hands on it except to bring it to the house of God. The Lord blesses it when we give to him the first fruits of our income. Now, we're not under the tithes and offerings laws that they were, but whatever you purpose in your heart to give, pay God first, because all blessings flow from him. And third, why did God tell them not to boil a kid of the goats in its mother's milk? This was probably to establish a tender appreciation for the natural order between a mother and her offspring. F.B. Meyer writes, It was against nature to make the mother an accomplice in the death of her child. But the rabbis got a hold of this law and used it to prohibit eating any dairy products with meat. They say that it could be that the meat that you're eating is the kid of the mother that gave you the cheese that you put on your sandwich. (laughs) And as you eat, the kid then is boiling in the mother's milk in your stomach. It's this kind of minutia that the rabbis would argue about. And Jesus said of them, you strain a gnat, but swallow a camel. Verse 20, behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you in to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. God sent his angel before them to keep them in the way and bring them into the place he had prepared. But who is this angel? The Lord said, my name is in him. That is the name of Yahweh. Therefore, He was the angel of the Lord. Speaking of the children of Israel journeying in the wilderness, the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Most Bible commentators agree that the angel was a theophany or a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus Christ because he is the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. What a beautiful picture this is of Jesus Christ and how he operates in our lives today. He goes before us to keep us in the way. Interestingly, the way was the name given to Christianity in the early days of the church. He told his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2.9, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, the context of which Paul speaks was not in the sweet by and by, but in the rough and tumble down here. In other words, God prepares things for us now. He has prepared works for us now. And Jesus goes before us to lead us into these places now. He keeps us in the way until we get there. He just asks us to trust in him and follow his instructions and he will keep us safe in the palm of his hand and take care of our adversaries until he brings us into the places he's prepared for us. He's our accompanying angel, 
our Savior and our Lord 24-7. He won't be satisfied until he brings us into the promised land of God's richest blessings, the land of milk and honey. Verse 24, So you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. The first commandment is that they had no other gods. The Lord is one, and they must love him with all their hearts. They weren't to imitate the pagan practices of the nations that they were dispossessing. Rather, they were to utterly destroy their high places and shrines. Now, what are the gods of our age? Money, pleasure, knowledge, position, and power. These have their useful places as gifts of God, but they make lousy gods when we worship them. Moreover, we can't have Yahweh as God and hold on to these other gods. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Now, some people have wrongly interpreted this to mean that God always wants you to be healthy and wealthy in all circumstances. When people are sick and pray to be healed, if it doesn't happen, then they say, you don't have enough faith. But we can't claim these specific promises that God made to Israel as applying to us in the same way. Under the old covenant, God promised to bless his people materially. But under the new covenant, he promises to bless us spiritually. Nevertheless, he will take care of our needs, both spiritual and material. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Verse 27, I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. God would intimidate and confuse their enemies so that they ran away and in some case took the sword to each other. And I will send hornets before you which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. Now, Paul tells us that the children of Israel in the wilderness were an example to us. When they crossed the Jordan River to go into the promised land, this corresponds to our new life in the spirit. They faced giants in the land. We face giants in our flesh and in the world. They had battles to fight. We also have battles to fight with our flesh and in pulling down spiritual strongholds. But they were victorious because the angel of the Lord went before them. He sent hornets before them to drive out the enemy. God didn't do this all at once, for then the land would be desolate and wild beasts would multiply. But little by little, the Lord would drive them out before them until they increased and could fully inherit the land. This is how we experience victory in the Christian life. We don't eradicate sin from our lives all at once, but little by little. 
if when we were first saved, the Lord showed us all the sin in our lives, it would kill us. We couldn't handle it. We would be completely overwhelmed and, and give up. But little by little, he drives out the sins of our flesh. He helps us take new territory by putting to death the deeds of our flesh. Observe that he sends the hornet and he drives them out before us. We just cooperate with the Holy Spirit. He convicts and we confess. Thus, we take more territory and inherit the promised land of an overcoming, victorious Christian life. Verse 31. And I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the sea, Philistia, and from the desert to the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. They never did completely take all of the land allotted to them. And we will never completely subdue the areas of our flesh so long as we remain in these bodies. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. We cannot make a pact with sin or with our flesh. God has only one sentence for your sinful flesh, crucifixion. But by His grace and by the Holy Spirit, if you are willing, He will help you do it in. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. Also, to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. We'd really love to hear from you. Tomorrow we'll see where Israel reaffirms her covenant with the Lord and the nobles are invited to see God. We hope you'll join us as we continue in Exodus on Simply the Bible. 